Hey guys, and welcome to Hunting Land, presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. If you'd like to stay up to date on hunting tactics, land management, land values, and land market dynamics, this is the podcast for you. This week's show is brought to you by Fatanas Defense, Masters of Darkness. Fatanas Defense is proud to offer the PD Pro line of night vision systems. The PD Pro series is the world's smallest and lightest night vision goggles built around the Fatana 16 millimeter filmless 4G image intensifier tubes and their hybrid filmless 18 millimeter image intensifier tubes. These ultralight, ultra compact night vision systems deliver the cleanest image, best resolution, smallest, most transparent halo, and best overall performance and function of any night vision system available. The PD Pro line consists of the PD Pro M 16 millimeter monocular, the PD Pro B 16 millimeter binocular, and the PD Pro Q panoramic night vision system. Fatanus Defense, Masters of Darkness. And also brought to you by Alabama Farmers Co-op. From backyard gardening to large scale farming and everything in between, your local co-op has what you need to be successful. Since 1936, Alabama Farmers Cooperative has provided high quality products and friendly service to community members and local farmers. With over 60 locations to serve you and 85 years of experience, you can count on the co-op. For more information and to find a location near you, visit www.alafarm.com. I'm your host, Joe Bayer, here with co-host Butch Theory this week. And Butch, uh, turkeys are gobbling. Everything's starting to green up. It's got me thinking about my spring planning. Uh, I look forward to... I mean, hunting's 365 days a year for me. I just, no doubt. there's, uh, you know, I've got a little note on my phone and I just kind of have things written down that I can do on my place really every month of the year. So I've got it, you know, at least one visit to the, to the camp plan for every month out of the year where we can do a little bit of habitat work. We can do something in the woods. Maybe it's just going and finding mushrooms or just planning a day to jump in the Creek. You know, I mean, I really love all aspects of, of land ownership and, and one of the things I love the most, improving the habitat for wildlife. The focus of today's show is going to be just that. It's, it's what you really want to try to feed your deer. We're going to focus on deer today. Doesn't mean these things can't be good for other game species out there, but we're going to focus on deer uh, and what you want to feed them this summer, which is one of going to be, and we'll learn this later in the show, is one of their most stressful periods. All right, but before we get there, let's go check in for another interest rate update. This week, we're talking with Grace Drouet at Alabama Ag Credit out of the Monroeville office. Grace, tell us a little bit about the Monroeville office. What area y'all cover? And tell me a little bit about what's hot uh, right now still in the land market. Yeah, sure. Well, thanks for having me on, Joe. Uh, like you said, my name is Grace Drouet. I'm out of the Monroeville office here in South Alabama, and we cover Clark County, Connecticut County, Monroe County, and Escambia County. So it is very hot still coming off of all this COVID craziness. And someone referred to all this land for sale and people trying to get um, back rural to, they referenced it as the rural renaissance. So yeah. I'm really loving that, that term right now. But yeah, all of the future home sites outside of city limits are really selling and really those um, parcels that are 20 acres and above are really what people are looking for for recreation or hunting or just to build on one day to get out of their suburb or big cities that they're living in. And strangely enough, we've had a lot of people from 
California and the East Coast and some of the Midwest coming down here to buy property. So it really is a rural renaissance and an exciting time down yeah. in South Alabama. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's like that in, in much of the areas that we cover. Uh, you know, I was talking with a, a landowner last week, actually, and had several different properties he's getting ready to put up for sale. One of the properties was about eight acres and one of the properties was about 80 acres. And he was having a hard time understanding why that eight acre parcel would be listed for so much more per acre than the 80 acre parcel because geographically (laughs) they were, you know, they were very close to each other. And, you know, the thing to understand about those smaller parcels is that those buyers are really not looking at them from a per acre perspective. They're looking at it as, hey, I'm moving out of a big metropolitan area where a quarter acre in a, in a suburban neighborhoods cost me a hundred, 200, $300,000. And now I can have eight acres for $10,000 an acre, $20,000 an acre that, you know, they really just depending on where you are, that number is still low in the, in the bigger picture. Uh, they're really not looking at it like that. Yeah. They think they're on like a bargain hot sale. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, and it, and it ought to tell you a little bit of something like, you know, about the value of land, because there really is a bargain. I don't know too many people that have invested in land over the years and guys I get to talk to on a regular basis and they go, man, I just wish I'd have bought more, you know, because it always ends up looking like a value when you look at it over the long term. But what's happening with interest rates? Are we starting to see things start to creep up? Sure. So I'm not sure if everyone is aware. On the 16th of March, the Federal Reserve did increase its benchmark rate a quarter of of a point. So they're trying to rein in inflation, which is at like a 40-year high, I think it is right now. So it's just affecting everything. They're saying that another increase is going to happen. They haven't really announced when that is. So rates have gone up a little bit. Um, but they are still at an all-time low. In 1980, I believe, they were in the 16%, which is crazy. So right now, currently today, they are anywhere from the mid-threes on a variable rate, and then fixed rates are in the in the fives. Um, So they're still very low. It's just a little bit higher than what we saw, which was unforeseen time with COVID and rates. I mean, that was just kind of an anomaly. So now they're kind of petering back out and leveling back out. So still really low, still really a great time for people who are looking to buy to buy and still a really good time if you currently have a loan um, with anyone, not just with Alabama Ag Credit, to go and see if there are any refinance opportunities if since rates are still lower than what you might currently have. So it's still a, a great time to be a buyer and a seller. Yeah, you know, speaking of that, you, know, you mentioned rates in the fives, you know, in, the, in those 10, 15, 20 year ranges. Obviously, that's going to depend somewhat on, on the individual borrower. And But if we're talking, let's just use some round numbers. Let's use a hypothetical. Let's say somebody is borrowing, say, half a million dollars over 20 years. How, how has the interest rate changed that payment over, say, the last two weeks? Yeah. So, it, like you said, it definitely is a per customer basis and what works for you. So, this is just a broad blanket scenario. Um, so about two weeks ago, we were probably in on a 20-year term fixing it for that full 20 years in the the lower fives. And that payment was about, let's say, $3,300 a month. 
if you were to do that same rate today, it's now in the in the high fives. And if you wanted to fix it for longer, um, let's say a number of things. If you use today's rate, um, it would be about $3,600. So about $300 different a month, which doesn't seem like a big deal. But when you do that savings over the full 20-year term of your note, that adds up to about $72,000. So the urgency to buy something now, if you're thinking about you're on the fence of buying something. I I would encourage you to act on it now while rates are still great um, before they start creeping up some more. Most likely in in the summer is when they're projecting this other rate increase. So um, yeah, now is now's the time. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, if, and if you're a landowner as well, you just saw someone whose budget was was thirty three hundred dollars a month or thirty five hundred dollars a month, they can no longer afford your half million dollar property in some respect. So your buyer pool as a seller just shrunk. And what what yes. that typically is going to mean is longer time on the market. And there's a whole host of issues that can come with being on the market longer. If you're on the fence about selling, you need to be thinking about going ahead and coming on and do it because every time we get those interest rate increases, you you are losing buyers. You know they're just having to step down. Uh, if you want to get the what your property, what you feel like it's worth, so it's definitely a time. You know inventory is still super low. We absolutely need it. But if if you're thinking about it, if you're thinking about selling, absolutely need to think about doing it because it does not look like interest rates are going to be going back down. On the buying right. side, Grace. If somebody, one of the things that, you know, I think I've said it just about every interest rate update I've done for the last year, but I keep seeing it over and over is, you know, we have a property, it's priced accurately. We know it's going to go under contract very quickly. And we have a number of buyers, you know, the first week we list it that are interested in the one who acts the quickest with the fewest contingencies is typically the one that gets it, not necessarily the person that brings the best overall purchase price. So I'm telling folks, look, if you're thinking about buying, go ahead and get approved. It's very important that you've got your financing figured out and you can make your offer as clean as you can possibly make it. If folks want to do that with with you or or someone else there at Alabama Ag Credit, how do they reach back out to you guys, find out what they can afford, what's best for them, you know, in terms of terms and the different products that you guys offer? Yeah, absolutely. And I will piggyback off that. We've had so many people call and submit applications. And by the time we get them approved and ready to go, they lost the deal to a cash buyer because even if it was a less offer, since the people had cash, they lost the deal. So definitely um, give us a call. We have options for Um, long-term financing and lines of credit. And in certain instances, if you meet the criteria, we can even do reimbursements. So if you were to buy something in cash, we can reimburse you for that cash purchase. Um, There are a lot of stipulations around that, but that's also an option for people to know about. But yeah, you can check us out on alabamaagcredit.com or you can call our office here in Monroeville on our uh, main line. That number is 251-743-2865. Well, Grace, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for sharing the interest rate update, and we'll be looking forward to checking back in with you soon. Yes. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.
Guys, let's take a quick break and hear from this week's sponsor, Boaters List. Boaters List is your new reliable and fast resource designed to link everyone to everything on the water. If you run a boat, you know how difficult it can be to find the right company for the task at hand. Boaters List makes this easy and easy to find the service you are looking for. Locate anything from fuel docks to service repairs or rentals of large yachts all the way down to paddle boards and all things in between. BoatersList.com will always strive to make it better on the water. All right, focus of today's show is going to be just improving the habitat for deer and wildlife uh, and what you want to feed them this summer. To do that, we've got Caleb Weaver. Caleb is the head of research and development for Southern Seed and Feed. Well, Caleb, welcome back to the show, man. Last time we talked, we were discussing fall food plots. I had a good successful planting last year. I uh, had good production. You know, I was up there this past weekend hunting turkeys and, you know, the clover's really coming on strong. My cereal rise starting to really really pop starting to form some seed heads and now i'm kind of switching gears and starting to think about summer food plots and i'm just starting to think about what i want to do to feed deer this summer not just feed deer you know feed other animals too but specifically today we're going to talk about what to feed deer in the summer so what about you how'd your fall planning go man i had a great winter had a great hunting season i was actually able to harvest three of my four target mature bucks. I couldn't be happier. First time I've ever limited. Um, I just really appreciate you guys having me back and uh, to talk about herd management and nutrition. And I'm uh, really glad to hear that your winter plots went well and uh, that everything's growing and keeping on like it should and feeding turkeys. And hey, I, I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, you know, I think the first thing we want to establish if we're thinking about what to feed deer is what are we trying to accomplish? I mean, I know on my place, when I got it, it hadn't been being taken care of very well, in my opinion. And there's a lot of weeds in my food plots. There's, you know, the soil's been getting disc for a long time. Two of my main goals in planting food plots are, are weed suppression and building organic material and, you know, fixing nitrogen, kind of setting my, setting my fall food plots up well. But I'd like to Correct. feed deer and turkeys and along the way of doing that. So definitely, definitely. You know, what, what are some of the other things that people are trying to accomplish when they're feeding deer in the summer? What do you think is the most common reason people do it? I think the most common reason that people would feed their deer in the summertime is for just basic herd nutrition. Every hunter wants to see a buck with a big antlers. Um, they want to see big, healthy does. They want to see those does fawn and hopefully twins and not pull that doe down they want to be feeding her well and uh and all the time you're feeding the rest of the the forest you're feeding your turkeys you're feeding your quail if you have them and like you said weed suppression is really the start and what i want to say is a lot of folks really don't understand how important summer planting really is there, there's two really stressful periods of the annual whitetail rhythm if you will one is late winter and the other is late summer. And mainly because those bucks need the protein they need to grow antlers. Those does are carrying fawns. Uh, they're moving into fawning and then uh, lactation. And you really need to be helping the deer out as much as you can. Yeah. And, you know, that's going to come in the form of, of planting food plots. And then also, you know, the, the other option out there is supplemental feeding. We'll get into supplemental feeding a Definitely. little bit later in the show. But to start things off, let's, let's talk about summer food plots. What do you think we ought to look for in a summer food plot, you know, based on the goals we've been talking about? So like if, you know, take me, for example, my goal is really weed suppression, building organic material, 
setting myself up for good fall food plots and feeding deer. I, Butch, what, what's your goal for this summer at your place? Yeah, man, I'm excited to get into this show because uh, we literally are going through this right now. We've had our piece of property for goodness, you know, a little over 20 years, and we've kind of gone back and forth planting some things in the summer, some soybeans, some different things. And there was a period where, you know, we did a little bit of supplemental protein feeding that w- wasn't necessarily planted. And we're kind of back going back and forth with those same pros and cons of each right now. So we've done a little bit of both. So I'm excited to hear what Caleb has to say about that. Yeah. Cons of those summer food plots is when those, when those next door neighbor's cows get loose, they can wipe out some oh, soybeans man. pretty quick. Can't That's wanna, exactly I thought, right. I yep. thought we weren't going to bring that up. That really hurt my feelings <laughs> last year. Hey, there were some fat oh, cows man. though. And I didn't even get a steak out of it. Goodness right. gracious. And, oh, and we, man. and we helped round them up, you know, we I mean, really did. I forgot <laughs> you were there for that. We actually did. Uh, so Caleb, you know, talking about this what do you think is the best mix if just if just growing deer is our best thing or what should we look for if if we're really focused on bigger bodies and bigger antlers well there's a lot of really awesome mixes out there and uh kind of like we talked about back in the fall i do this sometimes you've done this i think you even did it some last year you can mix your own stuff but buying a mix is really going to help you because the research has already been done the headache the hours the pencil work all of that on figuring out how much exactly should go into this, uh, into your mixes to help your deer. But when I go through and I'm looking at what I want to see grow in the summertime for my deer, I'm just going to name off a couple of major or most common things you're going to see. I guess you could say. When I go through and I look at what needs to be in a plot for ultimate nutrition for your deer, I'm looking for iron clay cowpeas. I'm looking for soybeans. I'm looking for Alice clover. I'm looking for uh, lab lab. I'm looking for buckwheat. And that's a lot of things, but some of the ingredients that you'll definitely see when you're walking through a feed store, if you're walking through tractor supply or wherever you buy your mixes from, those are what I'm looking for. Mainly because most, you know, for iron clay cowpeas, for uh, example, they're putting out 25 to 30% crude protein. Same for soybeans, roughly. Um, now these are, there's several hybrids of all these. So we're just talking about the generic seed itself. Yeah, but it sounds like you've got a main focus right there on on legumes. Mm -hmm. I mean, really, you're focused on those legumes, those bean varieties. Mm -hmm. Uh, If antler size and body size is your main focus, what would you mix in there if if you're like me and you've got a kind of a dual role for your food plots and you want to suppress weeds? Are are those legumes going to do a good job of that or are we going to need to mix something else? No, that's where your buckwheat's going to come in. Buckwheat does a good job of hopping up pretty early. It's a good cover crop so that the deer don't eat your your legumes down that quick. Um, And that's the biggest problem that I've run into when I plant is I don't plant big enough. The deer love those juvenile soybean and iron clay cowpea plants. They'll come in and mow them down. And that's actually a big problem I have. I just I, I, in some places, I don't have enough area to plant. But buckwheat, adding that in, it's going to grow thick. It does offer some protein, 10 to 20% at the most. Um, but it's going to mature a lot quicker. But it, like I said, it offers a cover crop and uh, it helps keep keeping everything from getting choked out. But what I would do first is come in and spray. Glyphosate mixture, most any tractor supply, Walmart maybe even, any feed store is going to have a generic glyphosate mixture is going to show you on the back how you should mix it go through and spray spray everything kill it back let it die on down before you disc using that glyphosate caleb how long should we wait after a good spray to to put our beans in the ground and do you would you plow up that field after you've already herbicided it where if you if time if you had the time to do it you can spray twice now 
most directions on the back of the bottle will tell you you can plant within 24 hours. And the reason you want to use glyphosate is because it's a broadleaf killer. It's not going to get down in your soil and like a pre-emergent would and keep your seed from growing after sure. you plant. But if you have time to do it, I usually will spray, let that die, disc it once and come back in about a week. And if you have any new growth or anything you missed, hit that one more time and you're good to go. If you want to kind of roll it over once, that's fine. Just to kind of make sure everything's down like it should be, but that you're not disking new seeds back in the ground, new weed seeds back in the ground, if that makes sense. Sure it does. Caleb, I dealt with something last year, you know, it was my first year with my place. And, you know, so I, I actually you know, closed on the place in June. And so by the time I got myself prepared to mess with food plots, stuff was out of control. I mean, weeds were <laughs> shoulder high on me, you know, and I mean, we had some serious, you know, weed problems in my food plots. And one of the things looking back, you know, I went in and I sprayed those areas and, and, you know, using a boom sprayer, just a tank sprayer on the back of a UTV. And what I was mm -hmm. noticing is as I was going through my boom was, is basically spraying the sides of the weeds, you know, it wasn't getting over the top of them because they were so high. If you're dealing with an area like that, where you've got really tall weeds, really tall vegetation, would it be better to come in and, and bush hog that down than let it pop back, you know, come back for a week or two and then come back and spray? Yeah, I think you're exactly right. That's, if you did that, I think you did perfect. Come in, bush hog it down as low as you can, and then let it, let it start to come back there for, like you said, a week to 10 days. And that way you, that when you spray, you, you know that everything is getting hit. You, you know that all you're getting the leaves. right amounts. Correct. Yep. Gets on the leaves that are starting to come back. And you know you get a good kill in the area that you're looking for. I ran, into, I ran into the same thing last year whenever I was spraying. I think you were actually up there with me, Joe. We were like, I, I don't know what it's getting on. This stuff is so high right. that the actual leaves were blocking everything, especially below those canopies of leaves. Which had to do mm -hmm. a little redneck engineering, you know? Hey, I take <laughs> redneck, right. get her done, Cap. That's right. Uh -huh. So, I mean, when it comes to weed suppression, obviously that's important before you plant. Mm -hmm. It's also a big reason why you plant, you know, suppressing those weeds so that you've got a good seed bed come come fall and reducing the competition for the, the crop that you're trying to grow. You talked about adding in that buckwheat for weed suppression. We've got those clay peas or soybeans and other legumes in there that are going to be feeding deer, putting weight on deer, putting, you know, helping those deer during their antler growing phase. Also going to be fixing some nitrogen into the soil, getting Definitely. your food plots in better shape for fall planting. Definitely. When it, one of the things I've also dealt with is sandy soils. And, and one of my goals is to increase the organic matter in the soil so that I don't have to rely on synthetic fertilizers as much and can, can get some natural release fertilizer that way. If I'm wanting to plant something to help me build organic material, are those legumes and, those, and, the, and that buckwheat going to get that done? Or is there some, some other components I should look for in a mix? Uh, those are the ones that you're going to find the most. And those are the ones that are, I think, going to do the best for you. To run through them again, like I said, iron clay cowpea, soybeans, owls, clover, uh, lab lab even. We can talk about that too. But uh, those are going to directly put nitrogen back in the ground. And to give you an idea, one, there's a couple of areas that I like to plant a little bit later in the season. That way they're growing later in the fall, but they're not on my food plots. In those areas that I'm going to leave up to grow, I'll plant corn in with those. And I have, I don't have to put near as much uh, the amount of fertilizer on that corn that I normally would because those legumes are feeding that corn the entire time. And it's been a pretty interesting thing to watch. Very cool. 
you know, it's going to depend a lot on where you're listening to this from. But in general, when should we look to get started? I'm not necessarily looking for a date on a calendar. It's going to be different depending on where your site is. But what kind of conditions should we be looking for to get started? Are we trying to plan, say, a certain amount of time ahead of our fall planting, whenever that may be? And, and, you know, most of the people are kind of timing their fall planting based on Mm -hmm. wherever their their first frost date is. How do you pick a timing for planting these summer food plots, which... it's funny to me because we call them summer food plots because that's when they're producing, but the, the planning is actually going to occur in the spring. So when when right. should we be looking? What kind of conditions should we be looking for? Well, I mean, if you just start prepping your plots about now, like, like we talked about, uh, bush hogging everything down, starting to spray, getting them ready. Like I said, ground prep, ready to go, seed prep. And uh, But what I'm looking for when it comes to plant is somewhere in April, late April, it moving into May. And to, the reason for that is if these soybeans, these cowpeas, a lot of this don't start putting out forage for 40 to 50 days and mature anywhere from 75 to 100 days. And so where I want those mature plants coming, when I want those plants to mature, is when those deer need that nutrition the most. Where we are in, in central Alabama, that's going to be late July, early August when bucks are really starting to grow those antlers. Those are, are getting closer to fawning. Like I said, lactation is a concern at that point. The health of the, the doe itself uh, to be able to, to grow that baby. And um, mainly that's what I'm looking for. When do these seeds mature? And for instance, an iron clay cowpea, the deer really mow them down when they mature. And, I, and if you've ever planted summer food pots before and walked in one day and all all your legumes are three feet tall and two feet wide and look wonderful and you come back two weeks later and it's just three foot tall stems that was probably the iron clay cowpeas that turned that matured and they came in and mowed them down yeah i've definitely seen that butch i know that's one of the things that frustrates you all so much on your places you've got a lot of deer you got a lot of browse pressure Mm -hmm. and that's been the kind of the question that Butch and I have been talking about leading up to the show for their places. Hey, do y'all want to plant summer food plots and, and risk the cows next door getting loose or, you know, the deer coming about, in and just wiping out? Yeah, that, we've talked about fences and all that stuff, but I mean, that just limits to where, not that it's mm-hmm. bad to plant the same field every year, but I also like to spread it out some. And some of those fences can be pretty laborious to put up, take sure. down, put up, take down, put up. So, yeah, we've been battling with that definitely. And I guess the question in your mind, Butch, is like, is it better, you know, and maybe better is not the right word, but, you know, is it also maybe a strategy for you to get into supplemental feeding where, you know, hey, if we mm-hmm. can, if we can keep the hogs out of it. If you've got bears, if you can keep the bears out of it, then we're going to, then all this nutrition, the supplemental feed is going to go into my deer herd. And I know that those animals are going to be getting it. It's going to be going in, it's going to be going in when they're growing, you know, when they're growing antlers and during those gestation periods and those kind of things. So when it comes to to supplemental feeding, what do you think we ought to look for there? A lot of people are just all focused on the, you know, totally on the protein. Is that really all there is to it? No, in, in my opinion, there's not at all. Um, at Southern Seed and Feed, we offer a, a bunch of different types of uh, summer summer feed. And I really hate to say summer feed because if, it, if it's physically and financially feasible, you can, you can supplemental feed all year long. But when the deer really need it is in the summertime. And there's a lot to it. You can buy just standard protein pellets. But most people, when you're talking about this, they'll say it's protein feed for deer. But there's so much more to it that you need to be looking for. You need to see some trace minerals in there. You need to see vitamins in there, believe it or not. Um, and, and for your overall 
health of your herd. If you're into herd management, then this segment's definitely for you. Uh, summertime supplemental feeding and planting. But yeah, you really need to see a lot more than just 20% protein or 14% fiber. Uh, you want to see some fat. Like I said, you want to see vitamins. There's a lot more that goes into it. And, and personally, I prefer a supplemental feed that's flavored. I've, I've wasted a lot of money in watching deer that did not eat just a standard protein pellet. Uh, when I say watch, after I check the cameras and wonder why the feeders were still full. <laughs> <laughs> right. And they would walk right past it and say, go to eating on beans or peas or corn that's on the ground over here. They didn't really care. So look for a lot of stuff that maybe has rice bran in it, uh, dried molasses or apple flavoring, uh, something to help those deer immediately want to enjoy that, that protein feed versus I just have to guess. I, I like eating unflavored oatmeal. That's kind of what I feel like it might taste like. Yeah. Kind of uh, like, like hiding, <laughs> hiding medicine in a piece of cheese for your dog. You gotta, you, you know, you gotta right. get, gotta yeah. get it in there somehow. Uh -huh. Once, you know, if you get them going with the flavoring, uh, have you seen where you can, can you kind of wean back off of that as you go and maybe yeah, make you them mix kind of graft them over. Yeah. I've done it that way where you get them, where you get them coming to the, the feeder out of repetition really. Cause they, well, they enjoy what's in it, but start to do a 70, 30 mix, 60, 40 mix figuring out basically what works, but you can wean them over. But if you just want to spend the extra dollar fifty and know that they're going to keep coming back, just go ahead and grab one with flavoring. Like I mentioned, rice bran and dried molasses. Some of these you need to be careful to make sure what kind of feeder you're putting it in. Some uh, almost require a trough. Some you can get away with the gravity feeder. Some that don't have, say, rice bran in it or uh, the dried molasses, you can put in a spinner feeder. Uh, to spin out to your deer but if you really want the deer to get all they need i would recommend a trough or a, a gravity feeder yeah that's a good point i mean I, you know personally i'd I much rather much prefer to plant food plots partially because Definitely. i'm i'm three and a half hours away from my property you know if i can get up there and get things done it's going to provide you know on and on and on from that point whereas if i'm going into a supplemental program you know depending on the size of the feeder that's more trips i've got to make back and and just just frankly i just don't enjoy carrying around bags of feed nearly as much as i do getting on the tractor and and doing tractor work and planting stuff and watching it grow that being said you mentioned it a little bit earlier if it's financially feasible you would feed year-round right i mean because these these are putting body weight back on after the rut and the better condition that they're in going into antler development the better the bigger and better their antlers are going to be certainly that certainly. being said if it isn't financially feasible or if you've got a good food plot program and you're doing everything you can with burning habitat work and and food plots to make your property the best it can be and and then you just want to give them a little boost you know during during that antler growing season, when do you think it's critical? What's that critical period that you would do this? I think that critical period is late July, early August, moving through August. That's the most stressful time. That's when does are fawning. Bucks are really trying to get every inch they can on top of their head, but it's hot. There's, it's often dry, but there's not as much browse out there as it normally would be. Um, and if any, any given time during this period, this is when I'm going to go throw a mineral block and if you can't do supplemental feeding to get these minerals out there, go buy a mineral block, read the label, make sure it's got a decent amount of trace minerals in it. And that's really going to help your deer out at that, during that time frame as well. All right, guys, let's take a quick break. Don't forget about our sponsors and make sure you support them when you're out in the marketplace. 
the hunting exchange. In this day and age, we all know it is a struggle to sell hunting equipment on large social media platforms. And that's where the hunting exchange steps in. The hunting exchange is an app for iOS and Android that gives you a one-stop shop to buy and sell your hunting gear. Whether you're looking to sell your bow, broadheads, technical apparel, stands, saddles, or anything in between, this secure platform allows you to buy and sell gear with confidence. As a buyer, each dollar you spend is insured by PayPal. And as a seller, there are no hidden charges like other platforms and listing items is also free. Gone are the days of having listings removed from Facebook and worrying about being banned and removed from groups for wanting to sell something as simple as your bow or knives. So head on over to the App Store or Google Play and experience a new hassle-free way to buy and sell hunting gear by downloading the Hunting Exchange app today. All right, Caleb, before we let you get out of here, man, I got one more question. You know, we were okay. talking about putting in soybeans and different mixes that have all kind of clay peas and all the things that deer need in order to grow their antlers and keep those healthy mm -hmm. does. Um, a couple of things I noticed whenever I've been uh, planting mixes is it seems like, you know, <laughs> hopefully the cows won't get in, in your beans, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I hope not. Yeah, it seems early that those soybeans will get mowed down pretty easily and it almost looks like the field is kind of sparse but other things are kind of growing here and kind of growing there is that typical and is there anything that you can not necessarily do to avoid it but i guess you just need to be aware that there's different things that kind of pop at different times for those deer am i am i understanding that correctly uh more or less yeah that's right um soybeans they're going to love a soybean plant from the time it sprouts until it matures and hopefully has beans hanging off of it now Iron clay cowpeas, they will eat that young plant, but for the most part, that plant does not become palatable until it matures um, in, like I said, roughly 75 to 90 days, somewhere right in there. And a lot of times when you look at these mixes, that is why there's more uh, ingredients than just the peas and beans and maybe buckwheat. Look, there's always kind of something coming up during the summertime to help out your your deer uh, always have some brows in there always something putting out some protein um, and another thing that spread that out definitely yeah definitely you don't want everything to be mowed to the ground sure. right in the beginning and then 90 yeah, more days before your iron clay cow peas become palatable um and there's some things some other guys do we were talking about feeding all of your wildlife that you'll find other mixes uh for instance ours at southern seed and feed has um, millet and grain sorghum things for your turkeys and a dove when they're passing through um, but there's other things you can throw in to just kind of be a well-rounded mix for everybody, or are you just focusing on your deer herd? Yeah, I, I'm glad you mentioned that because that was something I did last fall. I actually took se uh, s several of your mixes and mixed them mm -hmm. together, you know, based awesome. to, just to keep my varieties even, even, even more so, you know, in my food plots and, and, and was able to do that effectively and had a, had a great season with that. And, and I don't know, you know, I can't, you know, way for me to tell scientifically, but we had good usage of our food plots from really the day we, the day that, you know, we got emergence of those plants uh, mm -hmm. all the way till now. I mean, I'm still getting good photography, uh, of animals using them now here in the spring. And, awesome. and there wasn't a period of time, you know, during hunting season that we didn't have usage on those plots. A lot of times I've noticed in the past, it's like, man, as soon as those oats come out of the ground, they're, they're on them. They're, they love it. They're hitting it hard. And then that first frost comes and it's like the field just kind of, I don't know, it's not, they're just not really loving it like they were. And I think that that variety is, is huge when it comes to that. It because is. It's key. 
mm-hmm. know, I mean, uh, having something there that's constantly the the preferred and the most palatable thing is going to keep them coming back. And again, not a scientific thing, but I think it's a good thing if you're planning the plots that that you're planning to hunt in, in the fall. Those deer are used to that. Those fawns grow up there. They know where that food source is. No matter if they're leaving your property or not, they're just very used to that being a place that they can come back to and get food on a consistent basis. You got me excited to get out there and uh, and fire up. Man, I'm pumped myself. (laughs) Yeah, I just got to wait for these turkeys to quit gobbling. And uh, <laughs> and I'll be out well, there's there. There's one way to help that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, man. Well, Caleb, thanks for joining us, man. If folks want really to appreciate check it, out the the blends mm-hmm. you mentioned over at Southern Seed and Feed, you know, how do yep. they check out your blends? Number one, and then also if, if they want to find a dealer local to them, what what's the best way to do that? Uh, SouthernSeedandFeed.com, right there. When you sign on, you're going to find a dealer locator button. Click on that. Or you can click on browse products and you'll see a long variety of uh, our summer food plot mixes. You'll see our supplemental feeds. You'll see a spring and summer mix. And there's a, there's a lot more that Southern Seed and Feed offers than just wildlife feed and, uh, and seed mixes. But anything from cattle feed, chickens, dogs, you name it, we've got it. All right, Caleb. Awesome, man. Thanks for joining us again, man. Appreciate mm-hmm. your guidance. And uh, we'll be looking forward to talking to you come fall. Definitely. Thanks, guys. Guys, let's take a quick break and hear from this week's sponsor, Great Days Outdoors Magazine. Are you frustrated by your typical hunting and fishing magazines? Are you tired of reading content meant for the guys up north or in the Midwest? Don't get left behind following the guidance of the guys who don't hunt and fish in your home state. Pick up a Great Days Outdoors Magazine subscription and become a better Southern outdoorsman. Great Days Outdoors Magazine can be found at your local Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, Tractor Supply Company, Rural King, Bass Pro Shops, Academy Sports and Outdoors, or you can save and buy online at greatdaysoutdoors.com. But, you know, I was planning on waiting a little bit longer this year than what Caleb was mentioning getting started. But, you know, after after hearing what he was saying, I, I think I may get started earlier. You know, if, if, if we had, and this can tend to be an issue, especially a lot of parts of the South where you got high deer populations, you deal with that browse pressure, right? I mean, you've seen it happen just like you was talking oh, yeah. about. They can wipe out a field of beans pretty short order. But the good part about planting earlier would be that if everything goes right, you've got mature plants going into, you know, the antler growing season and, and uh, when those does are lactating and all that. But if you have a failure, maybe you don't get, maybe you do have big, you know, big browse pressure problem. You could always come Cow- back and top dress. Yeah, maybe the neighbor's cows can lose. Very expensive but, cows. I'm so yeah. upset about it, as you can tell. Right. But yeah, you know, I mean, just being able to come back and and maybe top dress with some buckwheat and work on building that organic material, suppressing those weeds. If you start earlier, you've got the ability to do that. Yeah. Make you know, up for it at the end if you yeah, think you missed you out a little bit issue. or if your crop wasn't what you thought it was. I think that right. makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Did you uh, you get any clearer on what y'all are going to do? You think you're going to get into supplemental feeding this year, or are you going to stick with the summer food plots? What's the plan? Man, it's a little bit hard to say right now. I definitely picked up what Caleb was saying about you know different things, especially I mean, with or without a mix. I guess whichever way you want to look at it. I mean, if you if you put soybeans in the ground just by itself, you know coming up pretty soon he was saying april or may is a good time to do that like he was saying it could be 90 days before those come to fruition in order for those to start sprouting and that's when the deer really like them so i think you really do need to break it up and even like you're saying i think that's a good idea to start a little early 
That way you can kind of monitor your progress as you go. And as far as supplemental feeding, I think we got to try it. Well, you felt like when y'all have done it in the past, you felt like you saw Absolutely. an immediately, you know, immediately you just had bigger bucks, period. hundred percent. No yeah. doubt in my mind. Trail cameras, I can still show you three or four or five years ago, whenever we were doing it, uh, there was no doubt about it. I mean, we had 20, you know, shooters on our hit list during antler growing season, you know, that July, August, right. September, early bow season phase. And uh, just hasn't been the case the last two or three years we kind of got away from it so i think we got to try it again man we're in a position now to where we can do that again and do a little bit of both yeah i I like the idea of doing a little bit of both also just like the idea that all that nutrition is going into your deer herd versus you're going to have issues anytime you plan i mean there's just like say you got to watch out for them stuff happens exactly stuff happens rogue packs of cows are taking over out there so uh (laughs) parachuting in like chick-fil-a cows eating all my beans <laughs> All right, folks. Well, what are y'all gonna do this this summer in your place? Leave us a leave us a comment there in in the reviews wherever you listen to podcasts. And what do we miss? What do you want to hear more about? We'd love to hear from you. Definitely reach out to us. Send us an email. Leave us a comment in in the reviews. Uh, hope you enjoyed the show, and also appreciate you joining us. We want to make it easy for you to listen. So here's a handy option for you to get the podcast emailed to you each week. Just text the word hunting to seven seven three seven seven zero. 4377. Again, just text the word hunting to 773-770-4377. You'll join our email list and wherever you are listening to podcasts, go ahead, subscribe, rate, and review. Send us a written review. We'd love to hear from you. If you've got a show topic that you are interested in and like to see us cover, just email us at pros at landhunting.com. That's going to do it for us. Y'all stay safe out there. We'll talk to you next time. This week's Sunland Show is brought to you by Southern Seed and Feed. Do you want to provide better nutrients for your deer? Check out Southern Buck. Your deer will love it. Visit their website at southernseedfeed.com or call 662-726-2638 to find the dealer nearest you. And also Bucks Island Marine. Bucks Island is a full-service facility that sells new and used boats and motors. Visit them at 4500 Highway 77 Southside Alabama, or give them a call at 256-442-2588. And also brought to you by Dixie Supply and Baker Metalworks. Dixie Supply and Baker Metalworks are proud to be your metal roofing headquarters for over 40 years. Save time and money by buying from the most reliable manufacturer on the Gulf Coast. They now have eight locations to serve you. Dixie Supply and Baker Metalworks, your metal roofing headquarters, and also Alabama Ag Credit. Buying rural property isn't the same as buying in town. If you're in the market to purchase your own piece of paradise or need an operating line for your farm, give our friends at Alabama Ag Credit a call. As the local experts in rural real estate financing, they can help you with everything from homes and land to tractors and crops because sometimes natural resources need financial resources and while some lenders don't get it they do learn more by visiting alabamaagcredit.com